Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden in Plain Sight. I'm your host, Eric Ryder, and I hope you've uh, enjoyed the show so far. Today, we've got the third part of our three-part interview with Rollo McGinty, the mastermind, the songwriter, singer, and rhythm guitarist uh, behind the band The Wooden Tops. Also uh, of a couple different electronic projects, uh, one called Pluto, one called Dogs Deluxe. We discuss a little bit about his electronic music while the Wooden Tops were taking a break uh, for several years after the they stopped touring around 1990. And it was 2015, I believe, when their third proper album, Granular Tales, came out. It's a fantastic record. Uh, And so we talk a little bit about the making of that, about the great songs that's on that album. And I was really trying to impress upon Rolo. And I think I had uh, maybe two, three signers (laughs) by the time this last section of the interview had happened. And I was really trying to impress upon him that I think that uh, Granular Tales was a great album and, you know, fit really well with the other Wooden Tops releases. And uh, I think I made that point maybe one too many times, but uh, uh, hopefully you get the idea that uh, I think that Granular Tales is a great album and you should definitely check it out because I I think some of uh, Rolo's finest songs are on that record. Now, Rolo talks about a lost third Wooden Tops album. And hopefully someday that'll see the light of day. Uh, We also talk about the potential for a fourth record and uh, about where the band is going now. And uh, well, anyway, I'm not going to spoil any of that stuff. I'm just going to let Rolo tell you about it as we jump back into this interview. So thanks so much for checking us out. Again, check out the playlist, the links in the description of each one of these episodes. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Next time on the show, we've got the legendary Anthony Reynolds. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the program, so be sure and stay tuned. So Wooden Foot Cops on the Highway comes out. It does fairly well. You're, you're going to... No, no. <laughs> you're going to... You want me to say it bombed? No, I'm not going to say it. No, it's not You're well. up to me. You're it, up did, to me. it did fairly well, but maybe Giant did slightly better. And, and it, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's what it seems like from just what I've read and what I've looked at. But then you decided to take a break after that. But you... He toured for quite a bit after that second album. Is that right? Or uh, like everything I've read, it says you were like touring until like '92, and Wooden Foot Cops comes out like maybe. No, like we were touring until we were touring until '90. Yeah. Uh, and then I started writing another load of stuff, and I kind of put the, the manager Seb, who's still with us. Uh, we put a lot of our own personal money into recording an mm-hmm. album uh, because Rough Trade, Rough Trade were, were, were we, we were a rat off a sinking ship <laughs> because yeah. we had to be. We couldn't. We, we, we didn't want to go down with Rough Trade. Mm-hmm. They were going down. We wanted to move on and to be able to work. So what we could have done is gone somewhere else, got free of our Rough Trade contract. 
and they could have had what they call a rider on any future success. So they would have got a percentage of any future. But, but we would have been free to work because they weren't able to. We, we were stuck with them, unable to work. Right. And uh, it sort of meant that there was like fighting going on between management. Not me. I, I was just busy, you know. But but the the, the, uh, the management and, and, and rough trade having a bit of a battle there but there was a couple of other acts involved as well uh, it said wanted to take everything away from that trade and quite happy to to make a to make an agreement on any future success but to be able to actually have some future success because it was obviously not going to happen hmm. but it kind of meant there was some Bad stuff going on, just shouting down corridors and stuff that I didn't see or hear, which meant that actually it got really vicious. And uh, you know, three years to let us go, so I couldn't use the name Wooden Tops for three years. That was designed to shoot us down. That was yeah. that was spiteful, and especially after what I told you. You know, particularly also what I said about good thing earlier, which is not in the interview, but what I said to you, and then what were you saying about why? There, there were a couple of a couple of reasons to say actually, uh, if it was right there in front of you, who knows you wouldn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so it just sort of felt like this was because there's 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 wanting to be successful and like have hits and shit like that, but there's also how much money it actually takes to run a band, even if it's mildly successful right so you have to have a degree of some kind of success to finance the band to be able to continue right mm-hmm. so uh, that's it really you don't have to be Aerosmith but to be Gang of Four right it's still damn expensive to run mm-hmm. so you, you do need to have money coming in otherwise yeah. the band is dead you can't afford to record you can't afford or, or you can only record in like the worst places or, or you or you, you you can't afford to play musicians either you know what, however it can fall apart it can fall apart so you know we, we were now because of that three year thing uh, we were now in a, in a kind of a difficult position but uh, there is also that uh, everybody has been so concentrating on this since it began and me before it began that there becomes a kind of is this all my life is going to be thing so you know everybody started to kind of like experiment with other things in life and but I didn't I could get writing and uh, so so is there a third album there is and it was like it was like a massive obsession that Mm -hmm. I spent all my money on uh, which is actually a double album's worth of material, a lot of which is really brilliant. And I've only released a kind of a, a small amount of it on, uh, we have a, an album called uh, Before, June, After, which is like a yeah. three CD box set. There's a few songs on there which are like kind of rough mixes from the project. Uh, but, you know, I've got... Like Tainted World, stuff like that? That, that was before, actually. Oh. That was, uh, that was um, I uh, particularly like uh, like a London band called, called Bang the Party. Bang the Party had stuff out on Transmat that was mixed by uh, Derek May, one of my favourite artists. Uh, and a real London club band. There's Kid Batcher in this. And 
I was, people played uh, Bang the Party all around Europe, all around the UK, probably in America as well. It was, mm-hmm. it was really uh, pop full stuff. Bang Bang Your Mind was one. Uh, and um, Release Your Body was huge for them. Uh, and, but they sort of, I kind of was in the same places in quite a lot. So uh, through Intragonin, uh, I got a meeting and we all got together and we just uh, we banned out a, a version of something that I had been working on and uh, we did that at a real cheap studio at Ababa Studios in Harrow Road uh, and um, it was kind of a really intentional underground release with no ambition for it to be successful in any way uh, but it sold out just completely it was sold out and we didn't get ripped off either we actually got paid the money for it can you believe and um, it got kind of it was like when we were talking earlier about uh, uh, it's called selling coals to Newcastle yeah so yeah uh, which it's like a kind of American yeah. kind of kind of garage style track mm-hmm. but it was also like a kind of uh, pre prelude to jungle and drum and bass because of, because of this loop that was on it which is actually off Isaac Hayes uh, and um, when we were recording it it really did sound like jungle in there but this is before Rage before all of that but that's what like, I remember kid turning around and saying it's like, oh, it's like sounds like a jungle in here, you know, all the drums, you know, it was a really drum heavy thing. Uh, but, uh, so we put it out on a white label, the next thing I, I know is a, um, a, a hardcore techno DJ, Lenny D, uh, who's got industrial strength records that have a book. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing it everywhere, I was like, whoa, you know, and it started picking up, and then we did this, we put out a second, a second version, but also with a printed cover and everything. Uh, and, People were sort of liking it, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of done everything it was supposed to do. But then um, I lived quite close to this disco called uh, Ministry Sound, which is now it's like an institution, but it was on its first couple of years, and it was it was like a mirror image of the best New York clubs. It had a Richard Long sound system. It had this beautiful sound system, amazing. And um, you know, people like Masters at Work and Todd Terry and all those people, they came over and played. And only the really like top of the range Americans were allowed to use the Euro mixes. All the Europeans, they had to use them, like, like the kid mix, you know, like a flat, flat one, not the Euros. And uh, so, anyway, Tony Humphrey's Kiss FM, uh, he's like one of the kind of DJs, DJs. He came over to do a residency at the, um, at the Ministry of Sound, and I have a by because I did some remix work and helped some programming for one of the DJs. I have a lifetime free entry card to that club, so I thought I'd go and check out uh, uh, Tony Humphreys, and um, I'm with Benny, the drummer from Wooden Tops. We go out for a night together, and I can get him in. So we went in. Uh, and 
it was absolutely rammed and there was all people outside it was just like one of the most exciting things in Clubland at that time all the DJs you heard of was, uh, and it was about four o'clock in the morning which is like the real crazy witching person kind of like dancing around and chatting and Benny elbows me and he goes listen listen and I thought, what, well, yeah, listen. And he starts coming in the mix. And it's like Tainted World. He's playing Tainted World. It came in. And he's just slowed it down, actually, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like it was in the studio, well, it was like this dense, dark jungle of drums. There it was. It was the best sound system you can possibly imagine. And it was still new and chewed up. Fuck. Oh, it sounded absolutely astonishing. And people were just like getting down. I couldn't believe it. So um, I go to the side of the DJ booth, and uh, it's kind of he's finished playing it now, and he's on something else. And you know, I don't want to be rude or anything. I just wait till he sort of like seems like he's walking in my direction, or he's looking over my way. I just wait for it. Then he goes over to a record box that's by me, and I kind of went, excuse me, excuse me. You know. And he came over and he said, hello. And I said, do you, did that record you just played with all the drums? Uh, that's, that's, you know, my record. Thank you very much for playing. And he goes, what? No, yes, he goes, what is it? I love that record. I just I just found it. It was in, it was in the, it was just in the, the new, it's a white label. I don't know what it is. What is it? What is it? And I said, oh, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, um, can you get me a box? So next month when he came in, I went armed with a box of the of the record, and uh, this time because of the success of the open night of his residency, now there are so many people there. The road is cut off, and I saw him and his driver arrive, and they couldn't get in to their own gig. They couldn't get through to the entrance. There were so many people, it's crazy. But I got in because I've got my freebie pass, and we went in with the box, and uh, and there he was at the DJ. And he turned around and he looked at me and he smiled. And he said, "Did you get it?" And I went, "Yeah." So he gets the box, and again, four o'clock in the morning, he's got three copies on. So he's got uh, uh, there's three three decks, and he's got three copies. So one on one on each deck, and he just like mixed it for about twenty minutes. And the place was, I mean, I, that blew my mind, actually. For me, that was that was probably the, the biggest, like, uh, um, appreciation by the admins kind of thing, you know. Was, yes, right. Uh, and I can tell you, at that exact time, as that was going on, I went, I, I, was, I saw um, Björk, uh, the singer, <laughs> with, she had these two huge guys that were like minders, and her mascara was all down her face <laughs> and she was having the best time and she was in a little ball like a cannonball and these two guys were throwing her to each other <laughs> and this was all going on whilst, whilst the uh-huh. record was playing and uh, and everybody's got different dance moves yeah so <laughs> so you know but this is a brutal record uh-huh. and those drums are yeah yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, it's the, the, the 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 one with the deep bass, it's, mm-hmm. it's the kids mix or something. The, the B side, 
a couple of companies I can't remember what, what its name that makes it. It's, it's the one with the whole side with the with the insert. But this is you put this out yeah. by yourself because Rough Trade was no more at that point, right? Well, Rough Trade wouldn't have got that in a million yeah. years. They wouldn't yeah. even understood what Band of Party is. You know, exactly. They were absolutely yeah. confusion club. What Band of Party? What's that? What's that? You know, <laughs> so it's all Aztec camera. Right. Head, you know. Right. Uh, and um, so that was really brutal mutant futuristic club music and it has and, and, and it's got like an all but I really love it it's actually got an oboe one it's got like a it's got a sample of an oboe it's, it's actually the right oboe sample uh, and um, so uh, that's that's actually that moment there's been many many moments but that moment for me was a really really big one um, and uh and then yeah, so so that was just before the recording of this is in the period where we put a couple of white labels out, uh, not really using the name Wooden Tops, uh, although a little bit cheeky, we sort of did a John Bullstock, but but John Peel was playing, he, he was playing all that stuff, mm. um, but it, it was like underneath Jeff Travis's sorry, Rough Trades <laughs> radar uh, because we weren't supposed to be releasing anything um, and. Uh, and then, yeah, into the studio I went. I got uh, Skip McDonald uh, from uh, Sugar Hill Band. He had come play a little guitar, uh, which is genius what he did. Um, and we we recorded way too much material. It, it, you know, it's, it's it's interesting because actually I should have listened to my manager to Seb because he said. What do you want to do? Is you want to go in a real cheapy studio, bang a few tunes out, and I'll try and sell them. You know, but what did I say? Because I had this like huge head. You know, I'd, I warned you. If I'd had been a megastar, it would have just been a nightmare. Right. But this head was huge enough. Uh-huh. I wanted to capture the spontaneity. I wanted to spend loads of money in the studio. I wanted to just throw all my money away, uh, uh, and his as well, uh, and and capture capture it firsthand in a kind of spontaneous way in good studio and blah 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 uh, I failed miserably because what, actually what we did do we did do, we tried to keep the expense down so so we did quite a lot in, in kind of good studios with a bit of cheaper late night time and things like that mm-hmm. which meant that actually uh, the, the the focus was a little bit dissipated by having to stop here and there and then we, there was one particular studio which is now gone where we realised that they weren't keeping the maintenance up, so so yeah, the studio was a sad. Sometimes the studio had to stop, and we had to go, oh, what what oh, shit, we had to go home and come back and do it. But actually, what it really should have been was like like giant or wooden foot cops. It should have been like two months intense every day. You go in, blah blah blah. You know, you finish off where you were the night before, and that so. I think I, I'm not really happy with I'm not happy with what was recorded and I'm happy with the songs but not, not the mixes so mm-hmm. it's still there I've got all the master tapes if I ever wanted to but I, as I mentioned to you earlier I tend to move on a little bit quicker and not, yeah. not keep going backwards yeah it's really interesting to me to think about what might have been with that third record that didn't happen um, but then with Rough Trade imploding not having another label you, you had these um, these one-offs that you guys kind of financed, um, but it didn't lead to another album coming out, and you decided to take a break at that point. 
Yeah, I did because I stood back from, I got a little bit hurt there, and I stood back from um, uh, trying to do grander projects mm -hmm. and working with loads of people and blah, blah, blah. I just went techno. I just went really minimal uh, and started working with, uh, with this label Pink Block. And uh, actually, a couple of records there were, were pretty good for me, actually. And then, but it's, it's, it's under the radar of the pop world. It's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, uh, it's club, club magazines and, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and DJ's actually playing it. So I've had, you know, the turntable hits, turntable hits, like wild ones, you know, turntable hits in, in clubs uh, and going out and I, you know, I, I'd probably hear one of my records just about every night I went out, you know. Uh, and um, which must have been amazing. It must have felt like like in the early days when um, some of the wooden tops singles well, were getting yeah, played on does. the radio. Yeah. But it's really good because it because it's actually like it's a bit of it's a bit of a technical thing. It's uh, you feel you feel a little bit like like the guy who who runs the uh, the fairground machinery who stands by the spinning wheel with all the kids on it. And he's looking at it. He's going, yeah, yeah, it's working really well. It's working, you know, you know, how does it sound on a big system? It sounds really good. Oh, it's amazing how that that's that's come out. And you know, blah blah. And but the most important thing is you see people dancing their asses off to it. Yeah. And that that's the punch. That's the return punch of yes, it worked. You know, uh, and then um. Yeah, I mean, and that that very much now with the with the recent Y package. Now it's time for something new. Uh, the album Granular Tales we did, but that was um, that that was uh, really because we'd got back together again and we were banned again because um, what happened was it was about 2006, and I really had put the idea of having anything to do with rock and roll band right out of my mind. It, I didn't even have a desire for it, and then. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because it, it just it just means it was absolutely over in my mind. I wasn't wasn't lusting for it, I wasn't wishing or anything. I was just gone, you know, doing other things. Uh, that's like a fifteen year break. So it was supposed to be a two year break. Yeah, it was fifteen years, you know. <clears throat> Some of the musicians had children in that time. You know. <laughs> uh, and you left it yeah, as but, well, right? Yeah, I did, but that, but theirs left home. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah. So I was I was really enjoying making music for different reasons and seeing it used and Seeing, seeing that I was getting money back from it, and 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 everywhere I went, it, it was quite nobody like recognised me. So I didn't feel I didn't feel on like I'm always on the job. Like like I'm always a bit tense. Mm -hmm. Just just really chilled out. But at the like the height of the wooden tops, being like giants and stuff like that, were you getting recognised in the street and stuff? Yeah, because I used to everywhere yeah. I went. Uh, and you know, so uh, I mean, to be honest, it just means you meet lots of really nice people. Actually, some people, you know, there's not, there's, you don't really meet people going, yeah, I've been wanting to kick your teeth in. All right. No, no. <laughs> but just sort of people, are, but but you feel a bit like suddenly go, oh, oh, hi, and then so you've got to suddenly be polite, and nice. And like, yeah. Um, I mean, you guys were never played enough that it would annoy the hell out of somebody. <laughs> like a Britney Spears or something, you know, where, like, if I hear that song one more time, I'm going to murder 
somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just to, it's, it's, it's good to feel like grounded and, and you're moving on in your life. And and as I was saying, I was, you know, it was kind of, I was really happy uh, uh, with my kind of musical think tank job mm-hmm. that I had, I mentioned to you before at, at Boosting Hawks, where I could just like dream up wonderful ideas in music that I couldn't, I wouldn't have to worry about what anyone else thought about. I just sort of bring it to its finished thing and then hand it over and and see it get used, you know, and and then see it turn up on my royalty statements. Yes, it had been used, you know. Uh, and, and and sure enough, it began to it began to overtake wooden tops earnings pretty significantly. But um, quite happy. And then in two thousand and five, a guy sent me two CDs of a gig that we did in Spain, in Barcelona, at this venue called. Uh, is anything? Anyway, you sent, sent, sent this double CD which was recorded off the desk onto a cassette mm-hmm. and then a, a metal cassette and then he put them on to, to, uh, to, to CD and said, said maybe I'd like to hear them and the second I heard it it was like really full on wooden tops like faster than anything Benny just like ballistic it was just crazy and um, well it just made me stand right up on my seat I thought you know there's somebody who's doing this 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 would absolutely kill and then I sort of realised well it's my job isn't it yeah so so I started yeah (laughs) so I started seeing if anybody fancied I sent everybody a copy of the CD and said you know what do you reckon and everybody got back and said, well, oh, that's great. Yeah, they'd love to do that. So so we, we did a, a short tour in uh, the beginning of 2007, I think it was. Um, and and then after that, it seemed like, well, uh, maybe maybe we, we should do something, but let's mm-hmm. not just do gigs. Let's just not let's do a little kind of comeback tour with no reason to do it let's let's um let's actually record something so we uh booked a uh, a um a small house uh near ashford and kent like a little oast house mm-hmm. <coughs> shelled out all the furniture <coughs> put the equipment in there started rehearsing some stuff up uh and then went straight from there into the studio uh, my friend's studio in, in, um, in Clapham and what's really funny is that it's actually the magic of that is the studio is not particularly well sound insulated it's got beautiful equipment it's got a lovely desk it's actually believe it or not it's actually Genesis's old AMAC desk mm. uh, really great selection of microphones a great big room which is normally used as a local centre to record in and so we got there, we set up, and as soon as we set up getting ready to record, there was this monstrous blizzard, and uh, London shut down, and there was no planes in the sky, and there was no cars, it was just complete silence. Right. It soundproofed itself all by, <laughs> by itself. And we recorded all of the stuff there, we were about 90% of it, and uh, and then um, mixed it in, uh, mixed it with uh, 
uh, somebody that I've known for a long time, Mike Nielsen, who uh, works for Underworld, and he lives in Istanbul. So I, I mixed it in Istanbul, and uh, and that was that. And we had an album which you know we put out through Cherry Red actually, which is kind of kind of low key because it didn't really seem like we should you know right. do like a giant or a massive thing like that. Um, and Most of the stuff they put out is reissued, so to have a to put out a new record is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They do. They're kind of sort of warehouse, you know, compilations and, and stuff. But they came really keen to do it. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that's great. Yeah, that just kind of like we did it, and whoever's keenest to do it can put it out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's amazing to me about Granular Tales is it's a fantastic album, but it it really sounds like. It could have come out like the year after Wooden Foot Cops on the Highway. No, you think? Yeah, it sounds so Wooden Tops. You know what I mean? It does. It but sounds. But it is all the Wooden Tops. It's like Simon playing guitar, me singing. Absolutely, so yeah. You can't escape. It doesn't sound like though that you guys had a, like a fifteen-year gap in between. It sounds like mm. this is mm. the third record that was always meant to be. Yeah. But you you had this gap in between, and you did different yeah. stuff. You did electronic music during that time. You did Pluto. You did Dogs Deluxe. You you know you were out there doing DJ stuff, and and to me it's like it's just where you left off. You know, it's it's a perfect continuation of the Wooden Top story. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think in a way I'm glad you said that because I think that. Mm. I don't think we thought about it, but I think that is an actual thing. Mm. Um, but you know, there's lots of lots of kind of cool things about that. Like we did listen, we did live together for the time we all just lived in that house mm-hmm. when we were working on it. Get up, have breakfast, start playing, uh, carry on, have a snack, and go on. You know, how long can we get? Let's uh, should we should we stop at eleven tonight instead of going on to two in the morning? Uh, or, or whatever uh, and um, did you listen to the old records at all to get in the frame of mind no no wow no it didn't, didn't. that's that makes it even more no, amazing because it was just just started you know I I, I sent the I sent sent them the, the songs and then we rehearsed it all up in that that house uh, and then and then um, banged it out in the studio it was probably all happened in kind of in, within a month Wow, I mean that's wild to me because it, it it almost sounds like it could have fit in between Giant and Wooden Foot Cops. Like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. it really sounds like you just picked up right where you let off. It's it doesn't because there's not so much of the um, the electronic dance element in it. It's more like this the the stuff that you had written. Um, in the early days, you know what I mean? It's like a packed and, and stuff like that is just classic wooden tops. It's not, you know, like you're going on a crazy tangent or anything like that. Or it, it really doesn't sound like there's a gap in between. I'll tell you what's quite interesting about it is a few of the songs, I'm delighted, uh, conversations on... I can't remember what was off the top of my head. Third floor rooftop. They, 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 they were written, my yeah, they were written. Um, so 
at the time of doing uh, the Dogs Deluxe project, uh, the whole second skin records thing, which was mm-hmm. part of, um, we had a studio in Brixton, and the geezer next door, a uh, really nice bloke, Richard, um, I used to hear him through the wall practicing his piano, but I didn't really know uh, And then one day we bumped into each other in the corridor and said, oh, you know, we, we, should, we should go and have a drink and a chat sometime. Yeah, 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 I did. So I think it was like literally the next day we went to the bar and the, the, the bar literally on the corner of Marks and Spencer's there and we kind of got fairly drunk and just laughed and I really liked him and we got on really well and then we went back to his room with his piano mm-hmm. and he's got like a little dictaphone and he put his dictaphone on top of the piano he started playing the piano and I just started singing and we just sort of made it up as we, we, we went along and just clicked so I thought about it quite a lot because I was thinking oh, it's about time I sort of tried to you know, do some songwriting again and I, and I needed to be away from everyone and everything to do that I needed proper isolation at that point had you stopped writing songs yeah or? I hadn't written any, any songs in the 80s it was just like just like it was completely I was a completely electronic artist I hadn't written a song in ages so so or no desire but I just sort of thought what would happen if I did hmm. yeah so I um I booked a kind of little cottage rent, so a cheapy rent in Somerset, mm-hmm. uh, and my intention was, was to put my 8-track and a couple of bits and bobs in the, in the booth and guitars and stuff, and go and lock myself there and just write by myself. But then when I met that Richard at night, I thought, why did I invite him? Yeah. So I did. I asked him if he, if he fancied, you know, I said, a bit weird, like, but would you like to come and spend a week with me in the country just writing stuff? And, you know, I don't mean anything by it other than what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. So, we did. And we wrote 18 songs in a week. And we didn't sleep hardly at all. We wrote sober, we wrote mashed, we, we, we just did it all. 18. I, mean, I just couldn't believe it. And neither could he. Uh, it just was a magic combination. So we came back, and, and, and actually, for about five minutes, I had like a bit, you know, a kind of inkling that maybe we should start a band and, and, you know, start playing some of these songs out because they were sounding pretty good. Uh, but just at that crucial point, he suddenly started having like really big success with this little idea he'd had called the Jerry Springer Opera, which which got to the point where he's got like half a cartel playing Jerry Springer in Los Angeles and in New York. It was, it was uh-huh. like a major hit. Uh, he followed that up with, with uh, Anna Nicole musical and he just booked all the time to write these kind of fun musicals. Yeah, they're really rude. There's lots of swearing in them. He's, he's mega successful in theatre. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I lost Richard. Um, but... What he did do is he kind of helped get my kind of mojo back to, to writing and, and singing. I mean, I really enjoyed singing with him because he, he specialises in singers, working with singers. I didn't know, you know, I was finding out about him as it, as it went along. So, um, 
when it came to doing, um, you call it glandular tales, when it came to doing granular tales, yeah. I had some stuff that we'd written together, the two of us, to get the ball rolling, and then other things kind of came in, and uh, it, was, it was an album. But most of the most of those songs you wrote like as you were recording or right before they weren't like laying around from fifteen years before. No, wow. No, nothing was. Nothing was. It was all. It was all kind of yeah. It was all. Uh, uh, I think the, the only one was uh, that one. Um, every step of the way. At such a rare time. Yeah, we, we need to be playing that. Album. I was listening to that on the tube on the way over. Yes. Well, if I played you what that originally was, where that mm-hmm. came from, it's a bit of banging techno that goes. It's like. I would have never thought that. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, we, uh, um, we were talking earlier about the Ruts, the bass player, the Ruts. Yeah. Um, he was actually on the phone to me, and he goes. When it was I'm running off my air track, I can't remember what he rang me about something. It was on. He goes, "What the bloody hell's that in the background?" He says, "It's like I feel like I'm off my head in a beetle or something." <laughs> and so that that came out of that. And so I put some words words on it, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it was originally called Veronica Thirteen. <laughs> I'm going to change the title. <laughs> It's better yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't mean it was called because it was it was song number thirteen, and the guy who lived downstairs from me at the studio in Battersea, which is where I wrote that, he he, he plays a bit of like jazz guitar and stuff. So he came up a couple of times to play, and he he sort of put a bit of his like jazz guitar over the, the top of that banging beat, and um, and it was like song thirteen. I said, oh, it's like. I don't know. So what do you call it? So I don't know. It's like I don't know. Number thirteen. Because so I call it Veronica. So it became Veronica thirteen. <laughs> nice. Okay. So so you took the break. You did the electronic music, and then you came back in two thousand six, two thousand seven, something like that. Yeah. We did a, we did a tour around. Uh, we did. I thought it was. I didn't think it was a very good game, but we did the hundred club in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't happy with that gig. It was like the first one, uh, um, and also uh, was it just because you, were, you felt like you were shaking? No, it was actually um, all those years, or no, it was uh, okay. Benny Staples came back for that tour. So yeah. he flew back up because he's in New Zealand. He'd had a he had a an accident and he, he hurt one of his arms, so he swapped his drum his drum hands around, which is pretty clever, uh, and. He kind of wanted to pull the tempos back a little bit because you know Anahara was really not very happy about that. Uh, so I felt like that gig at the Hundred Club, that first gig in London, I felt it was a bit, it was like a bit held back. I wasn't really yeah, happy. With not it. as full on as you would No, but by the end of the tour, the two, the, the last two in, in, in Paris were were, were, were hard. They're, incidentally, they're, they're on um, they're on YouTube. I didn't realise that they had a fixed camera in the club. Uh, uh, the club is called La Fleche F L E C H E Door D apostrophe O R La Fleche Door Paris. You put the wooden top to La Fleche Door, you, you get the both nights come up. First thing I'm watching when I get home. I do good, <laughs> they're good, they're good. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like a 
there's some really good bits in those. Um, but I feel like we we've now we've now kind of actually improved beyond there. And I thought I thought that the last few dates of the tour we just did a couple of weeks ago, I thought is you know I think probably as good as we've ever been. Yes. Yeah. So okay. you've now been back together for longer than you existed. I know. <laughs> Previous. Yeah, one of the guys giving me a really hard time about that. Yeah. No, it's all really fun. Um, but I, it, it just... Uh, well, I, I don't, yeah, I don't really always say about that, because it's true. I, mean, I do accept that's true. Um, but um, in, in the original days, we had like a whole kind of like, you know, management thing going on. There was mm-hmm. this whole kind of ambition or, you know, what it needs to be doing. And we're kind of just like floating now, but getting better. Um, it's almost like I don't, I don't really want it to be. Uh, I think I think, I think we're still really tightening the bolts up, mm-hmm. um, but I think we tightened them up a lot in the last tour. Um, but what I would really like to do is to make an album now. Or like next year, or start next year. You have the that songs just written, like really or? the best thing we've ever done, and it's yeah. like a mature album, you know, uh, really, uh, like probably, probably better than anything that we've ever done because we're capable of doing it. And the I, learning process has been a lot, so it's been a yeah. Lot. I believe it because Granular Tales is as good as those first two records. A lot of artists get older and their the quality decreases, I think you're just trying to get yeah. free drinks off me, aren't you? <laughs> no, but get, seriously. No, you finished your side. That's, yeah. that's what you're trying to get. No, me. but it's as good as <laughs> Giant. It's as good as Wooden Foot Cops. No. It's up I there with so. I, don't, I don't think it's. I think, you don't think I so? Think I, I don't think it. I think it's... I, think, I, I see it as a stock gap. I see it as a... I see it as a... As, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I think the most critical person in, in the wooden tops is actually Frank Tafaita. It's, it's, it's very difficult to make that person mm-hmm. happy, uh, even though he's like the nicest person. It's incredibly, it's ugly detail. And I sort of feel like with, with Granny of Tales, I, I wanted it to be a little bit better than it is, but mm. I'm really happy, and maybe I should just relax. To what you're saying, and maybe you should. You <laughs> so, so it just it just feels um, like I tell you what, the song because of you, the last one. Yeah, uh, great I, song. I, I, was, <laughs> I wanted to get that better. You know, yeah, really? Was, yeah, yeah, not so much the, the vocal, but the, the, yeah. Um, oh, well, you floored me now because I, I always thought that was a little bit of a flawed album, but no. No, I, I disagree. I think it's as good as your earlier material. But yeah, uh, I, um, um, yeah. I mean, I'm really into. We've got like uh, some some uh, new songs now uh, that are working really well. So, so we managed to get. So actually, yeah, like the set right now. I mean, what? Fuck it. On the, the next gig, we've only got half an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the hell are we going to do with half an hour? You know, it's, it's really this, hard. This is going to be a big night. You've got yes, a huge night. It's, yeah. it's absolutely massive. And we're, 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 you know, half an hour is like it's about seven songs. You know? Yeah. No. Uh, so what are those seven songs going to be? Is really hard to work out. Yeah, especially when you've got so much to pick from. Yeah, but in the set we've just done, uh, we sort of managed to pull from 
all, all of the albums and stuff. We did a giant tour in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we played the entire album as, you know, that's a bit of a thing, but I quite like it actually. I mean, it's, it's a real challenge. And um, I enjoy it, to be honest. Uh, you know, that's like, I don't think we, we, we ever, there's a couple of songs I don't think we ever played live. You know, mm. So we played those. Uh, um, but um, the, the tour, we just, it, 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 there was a bit of everything in there. Uh, and, and that was good. But it's like Giant got years worth of, you know, attention. Mm-hmm. Wooden Foot Cops got a fair amount. Granny the Turk got none because right. when that came out, everybody wanted to play Giant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was not possibly properly attended to. But then we've managed to get like two uh, in that are post that. So in an hour set, uh, which is roughly what it was, generally was an hour. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be an hour and a half actually, but it was around about an hour. Um, we managed to pull from yeah from even before John. We managed to pull, just get well, 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 and then move me in, and, mm-hmm. and and then and then pull from all the albums and put it. That was that was quite fun to do. Was to and, and then get two new ones in that no one's ever heard. Um, I'm particularly excited at the moment actually by. Okay, so where where if we do another one, where where where's that going? Um, I've got. One that is uh, a kind of um, uh, it's it's made from uh, guitar, but it's 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 using um, audioscope technology, which is which is, for example. You can use graphics to influence how sound sounds. So you can you can allocate uh, you can allocate like if you wanted to do it in a really simple way, you could say if you had a V on its side, mm-hmm. that would suggest the sound is bigger on the left hand side of the V, and then when it comes to the point, the sound is smaller. Or, or, or if you reverse it when 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 the V is at its widest, um, it's affecting the sound the most but when it comes to its tip it's hardly affecting the sound yeah. at all but that's a very simple thing uh, say for example you, you you wanted to make a guitar sound like bubbles like uh, um, say for example if you have a diver and the diver's at the bottom of the sea and when you breathe the oxygen right. the bubbles coming out of the pipe and making their way up to the surface of the water if you want to make a guitar sound like that kind of graphic image mm-hmm. uh, how, how would you do that and, and so what you can do is you can you can um, you can create that so so if the guitar goes you know, a bit of sustain on it um, what I found was really effective was actually not actual bubbles because I couldn't find I tried it a, a lot of different ways like drawing uh, the bubbles um, but I found this photograph of um, a lorry and the back doors of the lorry had fallen open and full of footballs and all the footballs 
came out of the back of the lorry. So I shaped the footballs to, to be less just spread out into more of a kind of controlled, almost like a speech bubble, but full of full of the balls. And then and then took this sort of centre of the balls out. So the balls are now like circles, but a little bit 3D-ish. And that actually really looks like bubbles if you put the whole thing on its side or, or, or upright. It, it does, it looks like mm-hmm. bubbles. You've lost the lorry, you've cut all of that out, so you've just got the balls spinning out, but shaped. So if you put that, if you put that, it, it run that through the guitar sound, but yeah. you, 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 you kind of, um, you kind of, uh, suggest to the sound of what, what elements of the sound are affected by the balls, what frequencies mm-hmm. are affected by mm-hmm. the balls. It's sort of like a kind of tremolo vibrato effect, but it's more watery, that's good and it's beautiful. <laughs> so I'm going to sort of be using a little bit of that technology right. with, within the sound of the wooden top. So I've got this piece called Bathscape, which is which is a kind of marinara, uh, 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 marina, is it marina, marinara trench, marinara is marinara is the sauce, yeah, yeah. sauce. <laughs> marina trench, marina trench, yeah, yeah, so you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, so it's a deep sea exploration track, which is, which is made actually out of the bridge of, uh, uh, a little more time of, of grinding the tones. It's got this little bridge, blum, 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 blum. but it's taken much deeper and, and, and it's thrown to the bottom of the trench. Uh, and using the, the the techniques of this, uh, as well as kind of uh, overlaying the guitars and making a really big fat sound. Um, and at the moment, it's an instrumental, but maybe it might stay an instrumental. But it's really visual. I mean, when you go with it, what yeah. the fuck you're down there, you know, and the little kind of like angler fish and all that shit that's going on down there. Right. It's like you could see it. So I'd quite like to incorporate that within the songs. And so I've got like uh, I've got two or three, maybe four songs already done. Uh, then that, and then. That's where I want to go with, with, with the next album. So I want it to be kind of partly visual, partly song-based, beaty as well. And I quite like to, to work with the musicians that I'm working with at this point right now yeah. to make that album. And, and, you know, I'd go and do it next week, to be honest with you, but I, I think it'll take a little bit longer than that. But, cool. um, yeah, so that, that's where, where I want to go, but I want to get a deal for it. Uh, you know, that's I don't want to pay for. I paid for grinding the tapes. Yeah. I paid for the one before. Mm-hmm. I want someone else to pay for it this time because when you pay for it yourself, you're essentially giving someone a free album. Sure. And and so it's great. Oh yeah, thanks, mate. You know, they put it <laughs> out, but they don't sweat for it because it just came their way, so they don't right. care. Yeah. So what I want to do is to make an album that somebody else pays to record. So then this time they can. They will want to get their money back and more. So right. I want to get an absolute proper motivation. deal for yeah. because I want to make sure it's absolutely splendid and really good. I sing beautifully, and it's like full marks in every every aspect. Right. Uh, 
and then you know kind of in a way go out with a bang you know like put out a really good album tour with everything else blah, mm. blah, blah. and then you know perhaps not really worry about doing the band anymore mm. you know in about like five six seven eight years time you're talking about a potential last album which i hope doesn't happen for a long time i really want another wooden tops album but i would love to see five six more you know you know there comes there comes there comes a time when i mean i quite like to there's a lot of things i like to do like i'd like to produce other people Mm -hmm. uh i'd like to do i really would like to to do have you done any of that? Film? No, so far? no. No, what I've done is edited people, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'd like to do film soundtrack. Um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, there's so many things I'd like to do, and it just—it's just so much work. It's yeah. incredible how much work it is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kirko here is working with me, and she's working on on it's the internet side of things, the whole social media thing, and. You know, we, we were working on that tour for months to you two of us, publicising, and mm-hmm. you have to do that. You know, if you pay someone else to do that, in this world, you can't actually be sure what they've really done. Uh, but in the old world, it, it was really obvious because, you know, it was playing on the radio, it was in the papers, it was posted up, so you could see what people were doing. But it's a bit like harder to see and in... in, in this world, the, the, the world now, mm-hmm. what anybody's done. So actually, you, can, you kind of can do it yourself, but it's quite a lot of work. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the one, the nut that I'm kind of trying to crack at the moment, I'm a bit lazy about it, but the nut is Spotify because um, I don't really, I've I, I given up. I mean, you just don't see any royalties from it. Okay. Yeah, that is every artist right now that's just on Spotify talks about how little YouTube they make off of it. Yeah. But but I'm really grateful of YouTube because I can see really early soft machine films or I can I can see mm-hmm. I can go to the shrine with Cootie and you can you can see the stuff that you missed. Right. You know? So I'm up for that. But the Spotify model is, it, it, you know, I just see people making money out of it all to be honest with you. Yeah, but not the artists usually. Yeah, it, it sucks, yeah. right? But, okay, so, but, I mean, there's, there's like a, a techno tune that I did in uh, kind of early 90s called Diablo, and I utterly forgot about it. And then I got quite a, quite a, you know, for, for, for techno in a house of that period, I got this like quite juicy statement. And it all came from Spotify on this one song. So, Somewhere in Spain, it's on some playlist that is already really popular playlist. So, from that point of view, weirdly enough, it can work. And you know, people are really professionally working Spotify to make sure they're on as many playlists right. as possible. Blah 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 blah. And my job as a musician, that is not. But it is quite interesting. You know, it's quite interesting to see how it works and what difference it makes. I heard about a band that re- released an album of silence so that, and then they told all their fans, play this while you're sleeping <laughs> so that we'll get the royalties. And enough of their fans did it, apparently, that they they got a nice little chunk of change. So <laughs> maybe that's an option. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, I get that. But, but, you know, I mean, 
Okay, so what we want is we want, when we play concerts, we want as many people as those concerts as possible. Right. So it's not really about, like, how do you make the money out of Spotify, because you don't. No. But people loving what you're doing and turning up and, and it's a riotous night. Right. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. That's all we want. So, yeah. Uh, and that's part of it. I mean, you know, you've got your Instagram, you've got your Facebook. Now, Facebook is a really tricky one because a lot of people aren't on Facebook because they don't like it. Mm. They don't want to be involved with it. And there's a plenty, there's a big list of reasons why they're right. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and so where, where, what other places are that we can bleat about our music? Yeah, there's not that many options. Yeah, because MySpace disappeared. Mm-hmm. And MySpace disappeared for a very good reason because it was not a social platform. It right. was a marketplace, but yeah. no one wants to go to the fucking market, you know. So yeah. it died. It was like as soon as there was a place where people could go party, they left because yeah. they didn't want to look at all this manky stuff. And you know they're gone. Yeah, that's why it died. I mean, they might say it's not. No, we're still here. Yeah, they are still here. But I mean, I haven't looked at it for about like five years. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's really buggy. It's so. Yeah. So they tried to they tried to to um, they tried to update it. For upgrade sure, yeah. it. I think Murdoch bought it or something. Yeah, and then he sold it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 an unfortunate thing that because mm-hmm. it really did have a good intention when it came out. Facebook took took all their people, and Facebook has weird intention. But it's uh, I, I probably had good intention when it started, but it right. should become so enormous, it's yeah. uncontrollable. I call it a necessary evil because, you know, you can't uh, keep track of all your friends without something like that, you know, without, like, putting a ton of energy into, you know, trying to email them or mail them and say, how are you doing this week, et cetera, et cetera. It, when you look at what they've done as far as, you know, not filtering like political ads and letting the like the Russians kind of just run wild and stuff, it's it's kind of scary, you know, the, the implications yeah. of what can happen. Yeah. 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 It's a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not cool. No, not um, at all. But how else are we going to peddle our, our, right. our way? <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah. How are we going to tell people about yeah. our way? And you know it's only the same. I mean, if we, if 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 you and I were in a band and we were signed to like you know um, BMI or something, I don't know. By the way, I'm totally down for that. If you want, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if we were, right? How would they do it? Yeah, exactly. What, what would they? What, what? How they would have to use the same bloody channel? Mm-hmm. Yes, they can afford to put big posters up. And you know what? I think that probably still is like one of the most uh, uh, easily uh, viewable for people thing because the posters get the people that are on Facebook and the people that are not on Facebook. So that old school marketing thing right. still is valid, but there's not that room much room for all those posters, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky time right now. Internet radio gets some people, people don't always know what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. Nightclubs people have no idea what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And quite often, that's not why they're there, but if right. the music's cool, they're happy there, feels like a place to be. Yeah. But they don't actually know what it is. You know, there still isn't, you know, there still isn't, 
a little sign that lights up with the name of the track and where you can buy. Yeah. So it's 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 very dissipated. It's not at all like it was when you had, you know, the desire to go and buy the brand new News Express because it's it's been out and you oh it's a week's gone by since the last oh shit mm-hmm. you know you get it you know. Uh, and I think that's that's very that's very sad that those those papers have disappeared because I, th- I think they were really exciting and they were they were they were something you could put in the bathroom on the kitchen table on the coffee table in your bedroom in the bus in the back of the car you could take a bit of space opening it out and yeah. getting there is not like a mobile phone right you know in a mobile phone it's really hard to go through those pages I mean you need to just like flip through the pages read about things you weren't actually interested in but <laughs> things you were you know be pleased to say oh I quite like them they're on the front you know th- that era has gone but that was actually the more deeper reading and the more deeper understanding era than the era of now mm-hmm. where where actually sometimes you might just look at the front page and then that's as far as you get because it's it's a bit annoying on your phone you know all the ads come up and you just want to throw your phone on the floor because the adverts are meaning you can't click what you actually want right and it's all loading and it's filling your machine with freaking cookies and and it's profiling you for the next load of ads it's 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 all gone crazy and and I do think that the simplicity of I'm a music fan and I want to know what's going on, I just need to go and buy that. Yeah. And then I can read it whenever I want to mm-hmm. and finish it when I go to bed or, or I've read half of it and, you know, next time next time I'm in the bath or I'm in the toilet for a considerable amount of time, I can read the rest of it. Uh, that's what it's all missing, you know, and that's 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 the time when... when uh, I mean, a lot of people, music is really big for them. It's not like it's gone away. But right. it was huge. Yeah. It was absolutely yeah. mega. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you, it's like you... That's why I'm here today. You know, yeah. You couldn't stand really not care. to know what the new thing was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I hate not knowing still now what... It, it annoys me when someone much younger than me asks me about someone, what's my opinion on that? And I don't know. Mm. So I have to immediately go and check it out and find out find if do I have an opinion on it because I want to know. Right. But I never used to have that problem because I, because you know the, there was a choice of radio shows on. Yeah. That I, I could hear it all and and I could read about it and and I was really informed and it's got nothing to do with being young and being old. It really hasn't. A lot of people would say, oh yeah, well this is not the most important thing in your life now, is it? Mm. Yes, it fucking is. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's no difference, you know. I love music, and I want to know what's happening in music. Right. Historical, present, and future. You know. So can I take away from this that there is a fourth Wooden Tops album on the way? Uh, that, do you have the songs written, or it's actually six? Well, yeah, yeah. If you include the live album and the compilation. <laughs> Yes, there is, and yeah. I'm really, really, really into it, and, and I and I want to incorporate all kinds of modern technologies into it, and um, I also want to use plenty of traditional steel and wood, right? Uh, and um, I want some uh, really nice backing vocals as well as my voice, 
and and I want people to listen to it. Say, oh, it just sounds like John, <laughs> but it won't. But yeah. you know, I, I just I just uh, I just want um, I just want to make a, 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 a an album that I'm really happy with, and I feel has used mm. all of the skills that I've got. Yeah. Because actually, since even grinding the tails, I've learned to do a lot more things, and, mm. and I want to use them. And that's yeah. that's all they were always about was you know bringing in learning new instruments to inspire and and having more things to sing about and and um, and um, also funnily enough I think I'm singing I think I'm singing better when my voice isn't trashed by new sound check I think I'm singing better than I've ever sung and I also think that uh, Simon the guitar player is playing better guitar than he's ever played yeah you get better uh, as you go on he's yeah. fucking great yeah. and, and, and you know and I'm really enjoying working with uh the, the, the drummer we're working with Theo and then this this guy Wayne from around here Wayne O'Cut he's really inspiring and um, you know Frank's always just great so you know I, I really want to see this combination do something we get the same chance as the combination of like 1984 5-6 got yeah. uh, and you know all the nice mics and the nice guitars and, and you know good amps and, and just really record a, mm. a, a, a classic in a way album you know um, it's funny because I was actually uh, waiting for you in the station and looking at the magazines on sale and I mm. saw there was one called Classic Rock <laughs> and, 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 and there was this kind of guy on the front and I thought who the hell is that he looks like like that eight years old who's that? I still don't know who it was actually it's probably something it, it wasn't Robert De Niro for a split second I thought it was none but that was the other magazine I was looking at Robert De Niro thinking who's that and then I realised it was Robert De Niro uh, Classic Rock's got someone on I don't know who it is but he must have been around for donkey's years um, so I, I don't really want to be in classic rock. I've probably been in classic rock. I don't really want to, but I want to make for us a classic wooden, wooden tops album. Yeah, it's just the combination of all, all that's been learned. And when I said, by the way, like granular tales fit right in with those with giant and wooden foot cops and well, 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 I meant that as the highest compliment because I love those records I so much. That. I know that. Yeah. But it's still cheap. I don't mean it like... Say, yeah, well, I just got to make the same album again. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Not at all. It's not about that. It's not like you, you hadn't progressed. It was just like yeah. you you had picked up where you'd left off. You, you know, you took that spirit and continued it into this decade somehow, which is... Not easy, I don't think, you know, with all that amount of life in between. Um, So to be able to do that is incredible in my Mm. estimation. Um, And I'm really looking forward to the next record. And I hope there's many more. I want to tell you something, actually. I've always had this kind of thing deep down that actually the joke is that it may just be that I really have my greatest hit and get the most acceptance when I'm just like really old and ugly and I look like um, Joe Cockle or something in his later years um, because you know you do get that kind of feeling that you were marketable and, and you were you were you were the right thing at the right time just because of your fringe and the olive complexion of your skin and the brightness of your teeth 
and I, and I thought, well, you know, wouldn't it really be fun actually to kind of get your greatest acceptance for all of the work you've done when you're really gnarly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Lenny Cummings one, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, he was more so appreciated when he was in his 60s than he was It's not about thirties. Yeah. yeah. Your, your pin-up status or whatever. Not at all. Because it wouldn't talk about I'm only realising this now because we are who we are and do what we do, but I see some some pictures of us when we, when we were sort of first out, and and I realised that actually a really good-looking bunch of people, you know, like Alice was really pretty and sure. Ben had that yeah. face and Simon's really handsome and Frank looks like a French actor and you know and, and whatever, you know, it's just you know you you you're marketable, you're marketable yeah. because you've got that look, and you know, people used to say how charming we were you know we had this charm which is no, that's not what I really, really want to hear was it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah you make really good music and play great so we're right. the charm of the fringe yeah, it's like, so you know to get your, your your acceptance towards towards the kind of like latter years of your life when, when it's about what you've done not about how you fit into like the indie band thing right. or, or, or whatever you know um but hopefully before you hit the grave, because then you can't enjoy it. So it's like, you know, in the last 20 years, 30 years, 20 years of your lifetime, that's what you do. You're, you're really great. Well, no, someone like Serge Gainsborough might be a, an example of someone mm-hmm. who in the latter years of his work, and I've got, really got the acceptance, but he was saying he was banging away for years. Right. Literally was banging away. But yeah, it's like, um, so... Yeah, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think it's sort of, that would be nice. <laughs> it would indeed. Yeah. Well, Rollo, uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, such thank you so much for taking all this time with me. I really appreciate it. I really, really do look forward to the next album, and I think anybody that hasn't heard The Wooded Tops or even your electronic stuff that you did in between Pluto and Dogs Deluxe really needs to search that stuff out because it's all really good. You've always maintained a high quality uh, with the, the music that you put out and still to this day you've kept that quality which is not easy to do for a musical artist. So um, I've always been impressed and I, I just... Thank you so much. Well, I think that's about the nicest thing anyone has said to me in ages. Thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. I can't thank Rollo McGinty enough for giving me so much of his time uh, for this conversation and I, I thank you so much for listening. Hopefully some of you out there had the patience to listen over three episodes of, to this interview because I think uh, Rollo is one of the finest songwriters there is and I think he's a, a fantastic storyteller and hopefully you do as well after listening to these programs. We've got another great storyteller on the way in the next edition of the show, and his name is Anthony Reynolds. And if you don't know Anthony Reynolds, you need to check out the band Jack. They put out uh, three fantastic records. 
Pioneer Soundtracks, The Jazz Age, and The End of the Way It's Always Been. Anthony has put out some great solo records as well. British Ballads and his latest one, A Painter's Life, and some other stuff. We'll get into a lot of that as we talk to him on the next edition of the show. Again, I just want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Rolo McGinty. I want to thank uh, Kyoko, his partner, for letting us use the cafe uh, where we recorded it and for her patience and just being a great sport all around. And I hope everybody out there is staying safe, staying healthy. We love you all. Thanks again for listening.